This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway today to get access to your BSBOT episodes, ad-free episodes, our Discord, and way more. Today we have Jessa Marshall of The Athletic on to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and possibly their downfall. Love to hear that. And Greg and I react to all the week's news of, hey, are the Rangers dead? Oh, well, wait, they might be good again. So uh, stay tuned for the roller coaster, and here we go. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway, welcome to the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm now recording from a new area which might sound like a big empty room, but it's a tiny empty room with carpeted floors. Greg, how are you? <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not bullshit. Any bullshitters here, Ryan? We all, we get it. You moved into a McMansion. I did. You took, it's you not took a all the, you took all the money. You moved into a new house. Don't have any fucking furniture. You're a big, you're a big man on a small campus. I will say, are. my new podcast studio, like the ceilings are a little high, but uh, I didn't, I uh, didn't. I, I hate didn't how you. Expect... Call, I fucking hate how you just called it a podcast studio. You referred to it as an office before we started recording. Well, this is where I'm going to be podcasting from. That's now on, fine. In my don't don't call it a fucking podcast studio. Who are you? Okay, fine, whatever. It's my <laughs> office. It's supposed to be very small and it's supposed to not echo. But hey, here we are. We're going to figure this out. So, um, as yeah, we go some, on, buy some furniture, bro. Come on. I, I will. I just got here. Like <laughs> we're not even moved in. We're moving tomorrow. Uh, Fun times. Uh, New York Rangers. Ever heard of them? No. Tell me, me more. Either. Uh, well, it turns out I thought they were really bad, and then I was told they were really bad, and their goaltender was dead. And then since then, their goaltender's good again, and then they also beat the best team in the East, so they're good. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Did somehow Yamamoto also sign during this period in time? No, he had, uh, I believe it was a wine cellar tour in <laughs> Italy with uh, AC Milan or something. It was like, <laughs> what's going on? I've never wanted anything to end more in my entire life. I just, I just wanted it to be over. It doesn't make sense as to why. Um, I, like, look, he's never thrown an MLB pitch. I'm sure he's going to be really good. But if he sucks, this sucks. Like, we'll do it. Let's, let's let's do this right. at the end. The, Rain, the no, Rangers have played hockey. I just needed to say it up top because I just want it to end. But yeah, I think the Rangers are pretty good at hockey, and they've been pretty good at hockey all year. It's funny because um, look, there was a lot of narrative. We even went. We were so kind, kind, and we went on Vince's show last week to talk about uh, Igor Shosturkin and how fans react. And Igor in the Bruins game. Bruins, by the way. Bruins, by the way. Um, Bruins. Uh, I don't – it, it defies <laughs> logic. It, it's not as bad as you what, – what did you say? Hyperbole? Hyperbole was really – I was like, hi, it's, it, it's hyperbole. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Uh, but the Bruins thing is, is interesting mostly because I thought the Rangers did a great job of defending in front of Igor Shesterkin in a way where he wasn't tested in a way he usually is. There's a couple times a game where Igor – makes these fantastical saves uh, where he shows how great he is constantly. And that has not been the case in some of the past games. That's fine. That's, it happens. Goalies can't stay gold forever. Then uh, in this game versus the Bruins, they played really a tight hockey game, both sides. I thought both sides were very cautious playing each other with the exception of David Pasternak totally trying to kill Ryan Lindgren. Uh, Ryan Lindgren, who had now taken three gigantic hits this week. We'll get into Ryan Lindgren later. But Igor, just in general, didn't really get fully tested, but was up for the call. And the one goal he did let in was uh, questionable. Like, I, I don't know if it was goalie interference. You tell me what goalie interference is. But 
it, fine by me. I, I thought he was great all game. And I hopefully for fans out there that were questioning him, that answers the question of, is Igor still good? Well, yeah, he's just beat the what, one, one goal and maybe zero versus the best team in the league. If you're a level of brain dead where you're questioning Igor Shosturkin, him playing well against the Boston Bruins isn't going to change that for you. It just isn't going to happen. You you live on an island. Enjoy your island. I hope you have no friends. Uh, however, as for the game itself, I thought the first period from the Rangers on Saturday was the best defensive period they've played all year. You, you it, it felt like they were making making a concerted effort to shut the Bruins down offensively. Everybody looked to be working just harder. Hard to explain that, you know, either with numbers or by simply saying it on the podcast and using the eyes. It just looked like the Rangers understood they needed to do more and do better in front of Igor Shosturkin. And to their credit, they did. Of course, the other side of that coin is they couldn't get anything started against the Bruins. That doesn't mean they were playing poorly offensively I thought the Bruins themselves were doing a great job at stifling anything the New York Rangers wanted to do in the offensive zone it quite frankly looked like a playoff hockey game involving two highly skilled teams not wanting to be the wasn't so much that neither team was playing adversive mistakes as much as they were just each playing really well at the foundations of their defensive structure and so and when that happens what you get is a game in which only three goals are scored and it goes to overtime tied 1-1. I didn't think it was goalie interference. Not to the point where I think people who were clamoring and jumping up and down saying that uh, the pad was lifted with the stick, that the the scoring player clearly made contact and impacted you versus starting to stop the puck. Nobody knows what interference is. But in real time and on the replay, it didn't jump off the page as interference to me but yeah I I think whether the Rangers I think it's important that they won because you know I don't think Igor Sturkin is the type of player that would take any moral victories even if clearly he played better and simply seemed more sure of himself in the crease but when that game went to overtime I I tweeted out this whether they get two points or not, this is a hugely important game for Igor Shosturkin because he's starting to look like Igor Shosturkin again. And if he's going to be Igor with Jonathan Quick playing some of the best hockey in his storied Still career undefeated. behind him. Still undefeated. Vincent Trojak on a goddamn heater. The New York Rangers playing great hockey all around. They're playing team hockey through and through. They already have the best record in the Metro. They have the highest point percentage in the East. And if Igor Shosturkin starts playing like himself, Jesus fucking Christ, Ryan. We are in a good position. It's so I know we we say it every week. It's kind of annoying to come on here and say the Rangers are so good, but currently they are tied for first of the East at forty three points with twenty nine games played. And the team that everyone thought was going to be winning the Metro right now is still struggling, even though the the Devils have won. Have, they've gone eight and three, I believe, in their last eleven or something like that. Um, but they are still ten points behind the Rangers. The Rangers have a sizable gap, and shockingly, shockingly, the second place team that the only team close to the Rangers right now is the Flyers at thirty seven points. Can't believe that's happening. Can't believe that's true. But the Rangers have a gap, and they can do it. And part of this is because they're getting contributions from people. Like, you and I like Vincent Trocek, the player. You've notably said he's your favorite Ranger for good reason. <laughs> like, for good reason. He's super fun. But the level of hockey he's playing right now, I'm not sure either of us expected. Is, is that fair? I I think it's fair because while neither of us 
have ever, ever said that Vincent Trocek is a one-dimensional hockey player and is only good at certain things on the ice. I, I he's he's like going to score 30, 35 goals this year at this rate. Well, I don't and know where this came he, from. This is like not his game. To be fair, I do remember. I remember going back and looking at his numbers after the season last year. I think he had like 28 goals. And I remember being on the podcast with you as I was looking at his numbers and saying exactly, Jesus Christ, did you know Vincent Trocek had 28 goals last year? So on one hand, I shouldn't be surprised. It, But something about his game feels entirely different this year, where last year it felt like his goals were a collection of simply being on high-performing lines or next to Artemi Panarin. He played power play one. He played at even strength with Artemi Panarin. It seemed like he just happened to be the guy who put the puck in the back of the net. Where this year, it feels like he's controlling the offensive play as much as Panarin is. It's not, I'm not taking away from Panarin and how special he's been all year, but it, it feels more like Trocek is going out there creating his own opportunities and isn't reliant on other players to either set him up or simply him being in the right place at the right time. Frankly, you know, something I don't think we've talked a lot about because it's still the same five guys on the power play. The power play flows so much differently this year than it did last year that I think we need to probably bring Shane on at some point to talk about it. Because last year, it it really felt pretty stagnant, where Mika would be in his office, Trocek would be in the bumper, Kreider would be in front of the net, and then Panarin and Fox would weave around each other, trying to create opportunities. Now, what you have is, yeah, Kreider, for the most part, stays in front of the net, and that's fine. But the four other players are constantly moving and shuffling and changing their position on the ice. And I... I think that's a big reason why the power play not only has continued to be incredible, but seemingly doesn't go into droughts. Because we've seen Zibanejad do entire circles around the ice. Panarin has gone from the right side to the left side, back to the right side. Adam Fox is not afraid to walk the puck down all the way to the red line and then make a pass outwards. They're doing different things with the same five pieces on the power play that are inventive and creative and were not happening last year. And as someone who has completely championed and uh, made sure everyone on Rangers Twitter is betting Adam Fox to get a power play point. I fucking love it. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's so fun. But Trocek being this type of offensive player is helping make that system on the power play and 5v5 all the more possible. They kept reminding you in the broadcast that the Rangers have the second best power play in the NHL over and over again as they were 0 for 4. And as the fifth one finally happened, I was like, if, look, if this, if you can't score here, like, what is, what is the point? But to, to what you're saying, there are times where Artemi Panarin takes a shot and I'm like, damn, why did Mika take that shot? And then I look at it's Panarin and I'm like, oh shit, why is he in that circle? Like, when did that even happen? How did I miss that? Uh, and, and I, I agree. There's been a total shift in at least, I don't know. I want to, I don't want to say that there has been a culture shift, but a strategy shift as well, where it's. We know what happened last year where everyone started shading towards Mika Zibanejad, and that's how the power play was stopped. This year, we're not going to let that happen. And again, for the 15,000th time this season, credits to the coaching staff, who has been incredibly inventive and, I don't know, like in, in, 
what's inspiring? Like, I, I, what do you want me to say? Like, they've done a lot with the power play <laughs> and, and uh, the whole team, the practice, the the the, the strategy, the th- three one three, everything. They've done everything that Gerard Gallant couldn't do. I didn't want to say his name. Three one three. They're out there playing three one three. They're playing with oh, two extra shit, skaters fuck. every time, I'm buddy. Doing, I'm doing Liverpool. I'm such a fucking asshole. They <laughs> they suck too. Uh, oh, Liverpool. 3-1-3. I'm angry 3-1-3. at Liverpool. Three one three one. One three one, buddy. One three one. That, that equals God five. Damn it. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen the movie The Three Hundred? Of course, surely you have. We all went. Yeah. You and I were in college at the same time. If you were in high school, you and when Three Hundred came out, you saw it. It was the yeah. rules. Yeah, no problem. Uh, do you remember the non-Spartan soldiers that came in in the middle of the movie when they were fighting the Greeks, and they're like, "Ah, isn't it cute that these non-Spartans, as clumsy and cruel as they are, are trying to be Spartans?" You remember yes, that scene I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the second power play unit to me. Where every, every time power play one comes off the ice, I'm looking at the second power play unit and I'm thinking to myself, this is adorable that they think they're helping. It is. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I get it. We're trying to get something going there with VC and Brodzinski and Wheeler and Gustafson and Lafreniere. Oh, and they are desperately trying to create some, but every time they're on the ice, I one don't think they're ever going to score, but two, I'm just looking at them like this. This, they're trying, and I applaud them for it. But Jesus, it's just not working. It's well, it's not like uh, first of all, they had a lot of time or reps, and the second power play has changed with players multiple times. Like VC Correct. being on it. I mean, look, VC has been incredible this year. He's been awesome. And uh, what is the? It, I think it's 51 percent or something of his goals or, or game winning goals now, or some ridiculous stat. Um, so he's been awesome, but it's not like he's meant for power play too. He is not. No, and it's it's pretty much Lafreniere and friends. <laughs> like, it's just it's just so funny to see them out there on the ice. I, every time they come out there, I get a flashback to the three hundred, and I hear Leonidas narrating like they are clumsy, but they are trying. And I'm just like that. That's how I describe them, Leonidas. That's exactly them. You're absolutely right. Also, why are you in my head? I haven't seen this movie in 12 years. That's incredible. Um, I, I, they are clumsy, but they are trying. Is that how you describe the Ducks game uh, and how the Ducks played versus the Rangers on Friday? <laughs> That's how I would describe the first time I had sex. Oh, hey, you were, look, not not wrong. Um, it, and every time thereafter. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, <laughs> literally every single time. Uh, hey, get out there. Give it a good try. Yeah, um, the, the Ducks, man. Um, that was an easy game for the Rangers. Yeah, uh, never in doubt. Not even. No Ryan Strom goal. No Vetrano goal. Vetrano Shocking. Did, did get hugged by Chris Kreider and laughed it off. Uh, very funny. Chris Kreider, who we didn't open the show with, now has like uh, tied for third all-time in Ranger goals. Uh, I think it was. No, he's, he passed him. Oh, he did he's pass at, him. Yeah, he's at 281. He's yes, that's third, correct. Third all alone. That is correct. Uh, so Chris Kreider, uh, just an incredible career. We don't have to talk about it, how he's going to go over the banner for the millionth time. But the Ducks game was just a domination. Ryan, no Ryan Strom, like I said, no Vetrano. Uh, Leo Carson looked pretty good. And like, okay, cool. Beat the hell out of the Ducks. But Edstrom, out of nowhere, number 84. <laughs> cool. He's six foot seven. Weighs a fucking ton. And he, just- <laughs> he looks like, I'm going to keep doing movie references. He sure. looks like the tall man suit in Men in Black. The I, guy who gets killed in the pierogi shop. Yes, that, that is that is a good reference. And I, I there were a couple times where he made a move or two, and I was surprised. I was like, "What? This is, this guy's an AHL player?" Now, look, you we talk about this all the time. You stay up, you get exposed. People know what you do. Maybe you're Julian Goche. You only have one hand. Whole deal. 
but the Edstrom, like I, I was kind of for the first time, like a little upset. He wasn't in the lineup on Sunday. I was like, man, I would like to see more of that guy. Yeah. I, I wasn't upset that he wasn't in the lineup, but oh, his rookie lap. Well, no, I, that's <laughs> fine. I, whatever Benino has, uh, I remember turning on the game. I missed the warm up. I think I just lost track of what time it was, and then I saw this what I can only describe as a big mamma jamma wearing number 84. And I was thinking to myself, trying to figure out who the hell it was. I was, is that Robertson? Is it a defenseman that's out? What's going on? And then I finally checked the Twitter uh, and saw that it was for Bonino. And, oh, but to me, the Edstrom of it all is less so that I want to see more of what he can do. And more of, I've just never felt more confident that whoever the Rangers need to call up from Hartford for a short stint is going to slide into the lineup and be effective. It's offense on the forwards, on the on the defense. The depth the Rangers have in Hartford for the first time ever, a year in which, again, we don't know when Heedle's coming back. It's getting concerned. It's beyond concerning at this point. We don't know when Kako's coming back. That's not as concerning. It's just a long-term injury. But I've just never felt more confident that whatever player the Rangers, a team that's strapped to the gills uh, with limited cap space, especially if they're trying to activate guys off LTIR later in the year, whoever they call it from Hartford is going to slide in and do the job and do it to a point where you do wonder if you'd rather see more of him over someone else. But the Rangers also don't have people I'm dying for them to take out of the lineup, which is a nice change of pace too. It's so weird. Yeah. It's, and I get it. Johnny Brzezinski had four points in his first two games, was immediately thrust onto the, a position to play in the top line. He's doing per, He's doing fine. And if you want to take him out of the lineup to try one of the younger guys, cool. But I'm, he's playing well enough where I'm fine if they're just going to let him continue to get workouts in on the third line and hopefully he steps into a goal here and there. That's great. But I know also that if the Rangers want to call up not even Othman, just Edstrom, fucking Rempe at this point. Uh, you and I have always been Trevino guys. We have been. Uh, we've been... You know, I know there are a lot of Berard people out there, and he's playing well in Hartford. The Rangers have options. When's the last time you can remember the Rangers having options in Hartford that wasn't like, man, if they get a second injury and they already have Morgan Barron up here, what the fuck are they going to do? Oh, it's uh, maybe the beginning of the podcast, and even then, it was just nobody still. <laughs> like there was, was a lot of Cody McLeod early, in our early years, right? Oh God, Jesus. That's, I never want to think about that again. That's a, I, Tanner, Tanner glass is way better than Cody McLeod forever. Remember when we traded Cody McLeod at the deadline for a draft pick and we I, had uh, our friend on from one of the predators blogs and we laughed. I think it was a fifth rounder. I could yeah. be, it was like a substantial <laughs> pick for Cody McLeod. It was but, very any, any pick was too substantial for Cody McLeod. Uh, but yeah, credit to Hartford and credit to jury because even though they lost their coach, Chris Knobloch, who will be returning to Madison Square Garden next Friday with the, the Oilers, by the way, to Connor McDavid and friends, uh, they just haven't missed a beat. That Everybody they call up is competent. And I think this was one of the... Th it helps that Jury was the GM of the Hartford Wolfpack before he was the GM of the Rangers because he clearly gives a shit about that organization and really cares about what they're doing down there. And it it it's paid dividends in massive ways already for the Rangers. Like... I know we talk about this all the time in other sports, but having value or getting value out of players you're not supposed to get value out of is how you become a successful franchise. You need your stars. You always need your stars. But everyone else around them, if you can get any value, like the Jimmy VC contract is literally criminal, but other people that come up that are paid the same, that produce or are able to uh, just slide in and do whatever you need them to do, awesome. Uh, and it's just how you become a winning franchise. And that's what the Rangers are doing. What else are you going to do? 
Yeah, it's it's something we've talked about all the time, mostly about other sports. But the example way back, probably when we first started podcasting, was always the Carolina Hurricanes, who seemingly it's so funny that we said the Carolina Hurricanes were the example. Now they're a team without an AHL affiliate because they pissed off Chicago so much that Chicago said, fuck you. We don't want to be affiliated with you anymore. Uh, it's 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 just interesting, and it's so clear where we're not saying, you know, it's nice that Brendan Othman is down there, and it's possible that Brendan Othman has a huge impact on the Rangers moving forward, but where you win is on the margins, and the players the Rangers are calling up for these one-game, not even auditions, just fillers, Riley Nash is a competent NHLer. Adam Edstrom seems like a competent NHLer. The Rangers have six more competent NHLers ready to go if something happens and they they can mix and match and do it on matchup and see which guy wants to come up or what role he needs to fill or what gap the Rangers are trying to figure out to get back to where they want to be. They have options before, again, before this, the Rangers didn't have, if someone got hurt, Jimmy Vesey or Colin Blackwell or Dryden Hunt would have to move into the top six. They brought up Morgan Barron who would eat up bottom six minutes doing nothing. I, I still don't understand how Gerard Gallant didn't love Morgan Barron. That's a man that was just cut from his dreams, but he didn't like playing young players that were unproven. So it's it's just wild that we now live, we live in a world, Ryan, where the coaching staff trusts these young guys to play a certain role as soon as they step in, and the Rangers have enough competent young players where they're not worried about being undermanned at a critical point in the season. And they're not at all, and they shouldn't be. Uh, it's funny because they have absolutely no money whatsoever. <laughs> the cash is dried up because of the Hedl and Kako injuries, and uh, the trade deadline will be very, very tight. I think there will be, you know, what I feel like we've made a lot of sexual innuendos. This, <laughs> this sexual innuendo. I, I mean, I didn't make an innuendo. I straight up said, "Yeah, you're right." Sex. It was, there was no innuendo at all. You're like, "This is how I do it." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Here's how I have sex," and you're like, "Wow, we have done a lot of innuendo on this podcast." I was like, no, I was pretty straightforward with that. Yeah, man. no, that uh, was that. That's man being honest, right there, buddy. All right. Uh, anything else to look forward to? Obviously, we're going to do a Penguins preview uh, eventually um, with our friend Jesse and probably like just what's going on with them. I, I actually don't even know the next time they play the Penguins. Uh, it's um, probably March at this point. Probably, but the Penguins are a mess right now, so it's worth talking about them, especially in the Metro. Uh, it is way far down the line. But we have coming up this week, it is the Maple Leafs, the return of revenge, I guess, because we go to them and uh, – they just beat the Penguins, we're speaking of, like 7 nothing or something. Awesome. Yep, that sounds right. Then uh, we have Oilers Friday and Sabres Saturday on a back-to-back before you hear from us again. Uh, Oilers and Maple Leafs, fun week. Like I, I think the Rangers, especially because the Leafs kicked the shit out of them on Tuesday, are going to be playing a bit, of, bit of a different game. And obviously when, when Connor McDavid comes to New York City, it's going to be a show no matter what. Yeah, I, I saw someone tweet something out today that said the, the Maple Leafs, 10-1-4 in their last 15, hottest team in hockey. And I – can we just stop pretending like overtime losses aren't losses? I, I, I really struggle with this. They're 10-5 and five in their last 15. That's a, It's impressive. It's a 67% win percentage. I get record. that. It's fine. It's not anything where I said, oh, my God. What a juggernaut. Whoa. Unbelievable. They got, they've lost five times. Come on. The, the Islanders are pissing me off. It's – I just – that's a team that's won 47% of its hockey games but has a 60% point percentage and no one thinks this is a problem. How why are we accepting this as a society? They're 14 and 16. They're a bad hockey team. But because they're a little less bad and they don't lose in 60 minutes, I have to treat them like they're something? 
Stop it. We need the, I need the three one zero system like I need fucking oxygen. We've talked about it. It's probably the longest talk about talked about topic on this podcast. I think it's since year one. I think what year one we did this podcast, you explained what the loan system was to me. <laughs> and then it was like, hold on, you can get three points instead of two. So what a what a concept. All right. Uh let's get to our dear friend Jesse and we'll go over and talk about the disaster garbage fire that is the Pittsburgh Penguins and see how he's doing. Transition. Hey, yo, I'm here to tell you about TickPick. It's the holiday season. Want to get a good gift for one of your good friends, family members, or loved ones? That is right. Use TickPick. It's the official ticketing app of Blue Shirts Breakaway, and I'm here to give you a little present. For if any order over $99, you get on the TickPick app. And again, no fees. The price you see is the price you get on TickPick. You can use code BLUESHIRTS15. That's right, BLUESHIRTS15. For $15 off any order over $99. Are you going to WrestleMania this year? Get $15 off. Going to a Ranger game anytime soon? Get $15 off. It is that simple. Just download the TickPick app. Check out the best deals on TickPick. And use the code BLUESHIRTS15 to get $15 off any order over $99. Tell them we sent you. Tell them it's for the holidays. It's for Grandma. We're bringing her to a game. And have a great time there. On TickPick. Again, no fees. Blue shirts, $15, $15 off. Happy holidays from TickPick. Hey, we're back with our guest, Jesse Marshall of the Athletic and McKean's Hockey. Jesse, you've been on the podcast a million times to talk Pittsburgh Penguins. We were going to talk about the game that we were playing way back when. We missed it. We're back. Uh, but I have a million questions about you. Let's just start with this. What What is happening? Like, what, like what, I, we got beat by the Toronto Maple Leafs too, but what is going on? Uh, yeah, it's just a disconnected mess, really. Um, you know, I feel like we've seen like several iterations of the team this season. Um, you know, there's been a handful of games and I, I wrote about this in the athletic where they've come out in more of like a, like a, a very conservative, like two, three presence in the neutral zone or like a neutral zone trap basically. And looked great doing that. Like a totally different look for them dialed that speed back. They don't really have the speed anymore. Right. Dialed that speed back like allowed them to clog it up, play off the counter, got the defense more involved. But that was just for a handful of games. It seems like it's been for select opponents. I think Mike Sullivan has thrown a lot of stuff at the wall, especially with regards to, um, you know, lines and things like that. But I mean, even systematically, he's thrown a lot of stuff at the wall to try to fix this. And you almost, I guess, from my perspective, get the sense that like, you're not, these things aren't being given enough time. Right, their change has almost been like a constant this season. They're looking for this like immediate reward winning recipe that's like this utopian structure that I, I think they've lost their identity. Um, I think there's an uncertainty among some of the players as to what they should be doing. Um, I think that emanates especially true in the power play where they've scored two goals in the last two months, um, which is just astonishing, right? Um, they went all of November without a power play goal. Um, so, you know, it just doesn't feel cohesive in any way, right? And I, and I think there's, again, I'm going to go back to like the on-ice product. If you look at the odd man breaks that they're allowing, um, if you look at the, you know, the sort of miscommunication between pinching D and covering forwards, right? Like all of these things to me kind of scream like, 
I don't know that anyone's really on the same page right now. The goaltending has been great. That's the only thing. <laughs> and which is funny, right? Because usually the goaltending sucks when everything else is going great. They, they have the opposite problem this year. Um, but, you know. Isn't Jory like a Vesna candidate? Not to cut you off, but he's been insane. Yeah, no, I mean, he's been insane. And, and Alex Nedeljkovic has been great. He's been really good and everything they needed in a backup that Casey DeSmith sort of wasn't for them, right? Um, and he's almost stolen the net from Jari a couple of times. It's crazy to think about with how good of a season Jari's had. But, you know, the, the, look, we have to acknowledge also, too, there's some roster issues. The bottom six is still hot trash. Um, the, they don't have a fourth line at all. Um, and you look around the Metro, New Jersey, the Rangers, Carolina, these are four-line teams, right? They're, they're going to run you crazy all night long and be very confident in their deployments of all four forward groups. The Penguins have like two and a half, right? Um, and the one and a half of those is Sidney Crosby. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it, it's, look, here's, I think everyone's kind of on the same page here. It's Kyle Dubas swung at a lot of things and some of them were like Eric Carlson's been great. Um, nobody's going to complain about him. Riley Smith, for the most part, has been really good. He's had some school scoring droughts that have been frustrating, but he's, I think, been good for Evgeny Malkin. Uh, but there's a lot of other things that aren't working at all. Ryan Graves, total F grade for me. He's just been, he's been struggling. The bottom six, as I mentioned, new look, same results, possibly worse results. So I think it's a little bit of column A from Kyle Dubas and, and, and the wholesale job he undertook was so massive, right? It was get a whole new bottom six, fix the defense, address goaltending. Um, some of that stuff worked, some of it didn't, but then I think you go to the coaching and like, you guys know how much I love Mike Sullivan and how much I've talked about him in a positive fashion. But like, I just, you know, I said this on Twitter, you know, the other night during the Leafs game and it's difficult for me to even say it, but you know, everything has a shelf life, right? Like that's just the reality of the situation, especially in hockey, right? Especially in hockey. And I feel like with the Penguins, they're stuck sort of in this 2017 mentality in 2023. And their their game, the way that they play, is now six years old, unrefined, sort of sitting out there for any. You could watch tape from the Penguins in 2020 to prepare for a game tomorrow, right? And that's that's not good. Um, and I, you know, Kyle Dubas, you know, Mike Sullivan had a lot of input on the signings. They're supposedly very aligned in their vision. Um, but if you you were watching Dubas's reaction um, and the f bombs he was dropping in the box, I can't imagine his level of patience for these continued types of performances is going to be very long. And I think if you get into, you know, the new year and uh, it's still sour, I think everything's on the table. Well, that's the problem of this all really, right? Where these are the Pittsburgh Penguins and they, they feel a certain duty and responsibility and they probably should feel a certain duty and responsibility to continue to try as long as Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin wear those jerseys. So this isn't a place where someone can come in and essentially start anew. It's not going to be something you can sell to those two veteran leaders. It's also not something you're ever going to really want to try because what are you going to do? Trade Sidney Crosby? It's never going to happen. So are we at a crossroads here though, Jesse, where the want and the desire to continue to put a winning product on the ice for the Penguins as long as Crosby and Malkin can keep going, could be nuking what this team should really be doing when it comes to future value. Because there's it's not a whole lot on the horizon there to really be in love with 
when you're looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, there's nothing on the horizon there to be in love with. I mean, Owen Pickering is a great A prospect who got left off the World Junior roster for Canada, that, and, and that's disturbing. Braden Yeager is a great pickup, but that's that's a diamond in a in a in an absolute coal mine. Um, the thing that that makes your question, Greg, so hard to answer, is the fact that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin have been so good, right? They've been so good. Like Sidney Crosby now is the best Sidney Crosby we've seen in the last four years. That's mind blowing, right? Like he's I said on Twitter, he's like Benjamin Buttoning his career, but he's like getting better the closer he gets to 40, which is like unconscionable, right? Because he was already pretty good. And Malkin's been on a little bit of a cold stretch. Uh, I think probably doesn't have as many points in the last two, three weeks as he would like, uh, but still playing very well, right? Not a concern from him. So it's like you still have these two core players that while old are putting out astonishing offensive outputs. The challenge is in, a, in the salary cap era that we're in, in the lack of trades that you see in a given year of of real significance how does Kyle Dubas change this on the fly can you can you do it without a name like Jake Gensel coming up right like these are conversations now I think like every day I get tweets from like three four five people like hey what do you think about Jake Gensel like difficult decisions are going to have to be made you know you can't one for one your way through this um, from a trade perspective, like really difficult decisions have to be made here. Um, and, and I think that, you know, if you're going to be in, you know, don't worry about the future. It's going to be ugly. Everybody knows that it's going to be a total nuke and rebuild. Um, you have this immense value at really key positions right now, but the surrounding ecosystem is bad really bad, especially from a forward perspective. And although a lot of junk got shipped out, it ultimately got replaced with more junk and it kind of just been accumulating junk. So I think, you know, if, if you have a more attractive option, you know, maybe that gives you a little bit more leverage to make a bigger swing for the fences. And I think those are the kind of conversations you're hearing now. Um, it would have to me, I think, get really bad and, and really sort of the bottom falling out. And hey, maybe like we're close to that. I don't know. Um, but for for them to say, hey, we're going to just destroy the status quo and close the window as we're going here. Um, I don't get the sense that's going to happen, especially, again, considering how good Sidney Crosby's been. Um, but it's a difficult ask, right? You you want to rebuild that bottom six. You got problem children on defense. How do you work around that in the middle of a season? How do you how do you get dancing partners with the salary cap the way it is? Um, those aren't easy questions to answer. But ultimately, I think Kyle Dubas is going to be faced with them. Um, if he really wants to change the outcome of this team. Something I've been thinking about a lot recently, Jesse, just with the NHL is if you hand someone that's a role player, a contract like that, I don't, I don't want to say is above their pay grade, but it's just a little bit more than they probably deserve. And they bust out. It's over for you. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing you can really do. The salary cap is so tight and navigating that and trading, like you can't trade, like they're signed for seven more years. Teams don't want to take them. Like, what are you going to do? And right. I, I agree with you t- entirely where Dubas is probably, I think he's a rather good GM and I liked what he was doing in Toronto. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pissed off. He went to Pittsburgh, if I'm being honest, but with Sidney Crosby and Malkin not being the problem and everything else around there, finding the answers is almost impossible, especially when you don't yeah. have the draft equity, you don't have all these things. And I say all this to say, to say this, the Metro is not what we expected it this year to be at all. I think I thought the Pittsburgh Penguins would fall off. I didn't think they'd fall off this hard. I think I thought Ovechkin and the Capitals would fall off. Ovechkin's fallen off. The Capitals are better than I thought they would be. 
the Flyers are in second place. That's all I need to say about that. And the Devils and the Hurricanes have not performed up to expectations. What are your reads for, like, the Penguins have to go for it this year and every single year until Crosby's done. What is even the path for them to make the playoffs in this situation? Let, let me, before you answer that, Jesse, let me, let me add a twist to the end of Ryan's question. Is the fact that the Metro is this essentially wide open and topsy-turvy actually a bad thing for the Penguins where they're going to feel like they still have a shot? Um, no, cause I think they think that no matter what, Greg, like, I don't think the surrounding environment and the teams they're competing against dictate that. I think it's what they have in house. Um, and again, like rhetoric and all that down, I just don't think they have the intention of, of, you know, hitting that nuke button, so to speak. So I think even if the Metro was a buzzsaw and it was making things worse, uh, I still think we'd be having the same conversation. Like, how do you retool and how do you, you know, make it work? Um, you know, I, it's tough because you know, I think defensively, one of their biggest problems, again, I'm going to go back to Ryan Graves, but he's just, he's been getting uh run over rough shot um, defensively. And I think put in a position where uh, they just promoted him uh, to play alongside uh, Eric, uh, Eric Carlson's or Chris, yeah, Eric Carlson. So this could be a nightmare, but we'll see how that goes. Um, they, they wanted, I think a John Marino, like ironically enough, offensive sort of puck carrying oomph. Uh, but what they got was sort of like poor shot selection and a just absolute turnstile defensively. But what do you do about that? You just you just made the move for him, right? Like you just made it that like that's that that signing is so fresh. Uh, how to your point, Ryan? Like how do you convince someone to take that contract on without a sweetener or some kind of you know heavy lifting involved from your perspective? Um, you know, what do you do with the contracts of Matt Nieto, Noel Achari? The Jeff problem, Jeff Carter problem persists, although he's been much more effective in like having healthy scratch spells in between his performances. It kind of gives him a little extra juice and he did score a brace the other night. So I have to be careful, with it. but it's still Jeff Carter, right? So that these are not contracts that are going to be easy to jettison. Um, you know, I think especially with how bad Nieto and Achari have been, they've just been brutal. Um, I think Achari, Noel Achari is in the zero percentile for um, useful passes that create any type of shot or scoring chance. Um, zero percentile in the National Hockey League. So just great stuff, you know. Uh, and I think, but again, like you, you look at the, the activity. You remember we all used to take off work for the trade deadline. Like we would all yeah. take off work. And we, now we take off work and we sit home and we watch a bunch of guys on TSN banter with each other for two and a half hours at a time while like intermittent low-key trades happen it's not that environment anymore right it's not the environment where it's action-packed all day long you got players flying all over the place you've got Yarmir Yager signing somewhere you got Marion Hosa leaving Atlanta like those days are gone right so uh you know again how it's it, it's not just finding replacement players it's jettisoning the bad contracts that you have and the bad talent you have um, I mean they're gonna try to do it right like I think um, you know, they're, they're, they're already signing f- float some and jet some from around the league, you know, then players on play, you know, PTO contracts and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I think they're, they're going to attempt to accumulate more and I, th- and it's going to be difficult to dance around these players that they've literally just signed, you know, um, less than a year ago. Here's how uncomfortable Ranger fans can be with success. And I say that knowing that I'm someone who, every now and then dips his toes into uh, just absolute crazy swimming pools that some of us get into. 
it it has been floated at least a number of times, whether in our Discord or on Rangers Twitter, that as good as the Rangers have been this year, if something were to happen with Rod in Carolina or Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, would you move on from LaViolette, regardless of what the Rangers are doing and how good things have been, to go sign him? So why don't we once again, Jesse, maybe the most – Obvious recurring bit you do on our podcast is you come on here and you tell us Mike Sullivan isn't going anywhere. And I know you've said that maybe a message can go grow stale regardless of how effective that message can be communicated, but Sullivan also hasn't even started his contract extension yet. Right. It's incomprehensible to assume the Penguins are going to move on from Mike Sullivan this season, right? No, it's not inconceivable to assume that because they have an unlimited bankroll in FSG available to them where people say they don't want to eat that money. They don't care about that money. They don't care. That ownership group does not care. They will happily pay that out if they think it's the best thing to do. Uh, And I, again, frankly, and I said this on Saturday night, if you look at the way that game went down, right, and the way it all happened and the odd man rushes they're allowing and just the disconnect between the D and the forwards, I don't know how you come back from this. You know, like there are certain things that happen, I think, over the course of a hockey season that you can attribute to ebbs and flows. That's what this game is. It's getting hot and trying to stay hot, trying to avoid that cold streak. It's a game of PDO in a lot of ways, right? Like, I hate saying that, but like that drives a lot of things and you want to make sure the bounces are going your way. And, um, you know, there's little things and intangibles that you can control. I think within the scope of your system to gain more opportunities for yourself. And I think what this team is looking at now is an ill-defined approach to how they should be playing the game. Right. Um, and, I'll, and I'll talk about something like pinching, right. Defenseman pinching, you know, that's normally on a slider for NHL coaches. So they'll say, Hey, you, you're green at 60%, which means if you think you've got a 60% chance to win that puck, don't even think about it. Go. And they'll give that slider will move for teams, right? They'll, some teams are 40, 60, some teams are 70, 30. I just, I, I don't feel like right now the forwards are operating in the same way that that same slider that the defensemen are. And they, the Penguins are ending up with these Red Sea-like gaps in the neutral zone where their forwards are in absolutely no position to help out defensively. Somebody's made an error in pinching. You know, Eric Carlson, for as great as he is, he's a wild child with the puck, right? Like this man is all over the place. And Chris Letang, you know, much of the same from him, right? So you end up with these like disbalanced situations. Um, and I, and again, we've seen so many iterations of style of play over the course of the last month and a half. You know, I just feel like they've changed so much without giving any of it a real chance to blossom. And now it's all melded together into a really bad soup. So, I, you know, I, I, it's difficult. You guys know me as being like, I think I'm very conservative when it comes to this stuff. And like, I, I'm very, maybe too patient. Um, but now I, I, I kind of throwing my hands up in the air, right? Like I thought the power play situation itself to go that entire, look at the talent they have, right? And going to go that entire month of November without a goal on the power play to be just grossly over for the month of November, that in and of itself should raise a, a couple of red flags and questions. If nothing else, then for at least Todd Reardon, right, who should, is supposedly the individual tasked with running the power play, um, and this, the questionable defense that we've been seeing simultaneously, like I just, I felt like something needed to happen there and it didn't. And you get to, a, if you're too patient, I think in this situation, you kind of close the window more on yourself. 
and I, you know, I, I, I'm, it's difficult for me to say this, but I, I think like, this might be the easiest solution. Um, and, it, and, and I, you know, Mike Vellucci is a guy of like great renown in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. I don't know if you look at him or you go Jay Woodcroft, look outside the organization. Um, but I, you know, I think if, if we get into the new year and things continue to look this disjointed, you're, you know, you get to a place where you say like, Hey, we're anchored right now. Like this isn't working. And, and what's the solution to that? Right. Like what's the, what, what options do you have at that point? Um, you know, a lot, again, you got to acknowledge the fact that parts of this roster are bad, right? But parts of them are grossly improved from last year. And if I think, you know, looking statistically from an expectation metric, this team's probably better than the one that they had last year, but the results are worse. So, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to come on the show this time and tell you you're crazy. I'm telling to tell you that um, I think this is a very viable thing that could happen this year if things continue to be bad. Well, look, I Greg, I think Greg and I have two of the same questions. First off, first question, we wanted Sullivan so goddamn bad. We would have done anything for him. <laughs> and if he's available now, that's sickening. Second question is, uh, we follow baseball pretty closely, and the Red Sox don't seem like they like spending money. And I follow Liverpool, and they also don't love to spend. What makes you so confident that they would buy them out? Like, what what have you seen that they 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 do not care about money in Pittsburgh? With FSG? These are, yeah, these are minuscule dollar totals relative to the sports you're mentioning. Right? Very true. Yeah, so I think that's the it's a scale thing, right? Um, I think even in in how like if you look at just PPG this year, right? Like, look, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. They upgraded a lot of that arena. There's an entirely new, this absolute monstrosity of a scoreboard. Um, like they've already dumped a lot of money in, right? They've already, you know, made enhancements to the surrounding area. And, um, you know, even in looking at how the summer went down and some of the salary that they brought on, there was no hesitation. So I think it's just small beans for them. You know, I think relative to what goes on in baseball and, and football, these are two sports that are just inflated with gross wages. Um, that hockey doesn't have, um, you know, and I think that maybe we do get to a point eventually where like they say, Hey, enough is enough, but it's still such a shiny new toy for them that I feel like we haven't really hit that, that wall yet. Yeah. I, I mean, you're right. Uh, I, I think the Penguins' salary currently is either equal to or lesser than the total, uh, value amount of, uh, the contract they handed out last year to, ah, oh, shit. What's his name? Ryan. Mo Salah? <laughs> no. Uh, well, yes, definitely. Uh, Japanese outfielder they signed last year in Boston. Oh God, yeah. I, I'll I'll look it up. Yeah, but you're you're right. Um, I don't know though. I think Yoshida. Yoshida, that is it. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I, I as long as like, as long I, as so. Let me put it. Is Sullivan out of favor with Crosby? Because I feel like you're not going to make a decision behind the bench without Crosby being like, no, no, I get it. I think anyone knows the answer to that. You know, I don't think anyone ever would ever know the answer to that. Um, Sid's been like very vocally supportive of all of his coaches, like even Mike Johnston in the worst of his times there. Um, you know, it's just like that robotic thing that you get from him. And, and I'd say like, I think he's still a good coach. You know, like if you look at what's gone on with Pittsburgh, like I keep mentioning he's making all these changes. A lot of coaches just run the same old, same old out and go down without a fight, you know, and like that's not what you're getting here. But I just, it, you know, the delivery of it, right? Like the the, the, the way that the, the day-to-day is structured, um, the messaging, 
Um, and then I think even like, like I said, you know, things kind of melding together into this bad soup, you know, I think you end up in a situation where, you know, um, you got to take it all into consideration. Uh, and it's, it's crazy to say that, right. And I'm not advocating for him to be let go. Um, what I'm saying is I think if, if you get into the new year and things continue to sour, I mean, you at least got to look at, start looking at the assistance, I think, and having some conversations there. I'm surprised they didn't after the power play draw again. You know, that's crazy to me, um, that that never even came up. Um, but you know, uh, you got to do something to send a message and, and, and sh- shake things up and, and, you know, um, traditionally the Penguins have responded to changing coaches mid-year by winning the cup. And I think that's an unrealistic expectation in this situation, but <laughs> you get the sense of what I'm saying, right? Like that different voice coming in and, and playing a role is, is generally how they found their greatest success. Um, so, you know, you, that I think is kind of lingering in the back of everybody's minds as well. So from your perspective, Jesse, obviously, I mean, we've, we've had a clear emphasis here on the Penguins as we should, because we're with you. And that's what we always talk about when we're with you. But from your perspective, and the answer does not have to be the New York Rangers, what has surprised you most about the Metro this year? Um, well, the Devils for sure, right? Um, especially with how good Jack, Jack Hughes is, is annoyingly good, right? Like, yeah, it's what, disgusting. What, what is it. this? Yeah. Um, that's probably column A for me is like how he could be so good. I mean, the answer is goaltending, right? Like that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's the answer. And, and some really just ugly shooting percentages from some of the players. I think, key I think players their defense is sneaky bad, Jesse. That that could be it too. Yeah, they could, they could be sneaky bad. Um, they're not they're not mature enough. And I, I we said this before the season. If the Devils were going to not do what they were supposed to do this season, it wouldn't be because of the forwards. It's because of defensive goaltending, and they're just they're not a very good defensive team. They, they no, have, but they they, they, but they love they love to involve them though, Ryan. Don't they? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't know that by watching them play. Yep. Um, like they, they're very involved in what's going on offensively. And perhaps that's the largest part of the problem is that they don't have the goaltending to support that kind of lifestyle. You know, if Tristan Jari wasn't doing what he was doing this year for the Penguins, it'd be an absolute disaster for them. Um, uh, Alexi Lafreniere is good. He's Go good. figure, that's, right? Yeah. Like imagine, you know, 18 year olds needing time to season and mature into, um, you know, power forward, like players. Uh, who to thunk it without <laughs> playing in the American Hockey League, by the way, uh, without the benefit of having, you know, to go against players of similar age and size. Uh, so that that's been like, I think for people in Pittsburgh, that's always a big conversation is about the Rangers and um, how rounded out they've become. Right. Is that they're not the goaltending has always been great. Like, that's always been great. But now they're I think they I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I think you, you have more respect for the bottom half of their forward group. It's not even uh, close. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, uh, also as great as the Rangers goaltending has always been, uh, nobody quite saw Jonathan quick doing this though. No, that's crazy too. Yeah. Um, watching him play against LA was wild. Um, he's was good crazy. too, man. Yeah, Jesse, it's not really a joke. Good. He's making glove saves. They're unbelievable. Yeah. No, he's like, yeah, like prime, like, like looking like prime flurry out there. Um, speaking of flurry, uh, where are you on the, how dare the wild not play a bad goaltender against the penguins? Uh, he's traditionally done very poorly against Pittsburgh since he's left. So I'm not shocked that they've gone this direction because I don't think any of his outings against the Penguins have gone well, um, since he's been gone. So, um, a lot of memories tonight though, of 18 year old Jesse cutting in line in the student rush program to get a ticket into that first debut game for him. Nice. Uh, Worth it. Yeah. Good times. And I think finally, like how has Carolina not done anything with, with their goaltending situation? Um, and what is it going to take for them to make a move? Because I think they're still a very good offensive buzzsaw um, that is well-coached and very deep, but they just, you know, 
they can't get a save when they need it. They can. And it's just so funny to see the two coaches that I think are probably the two of the best coaches in the league in Sullivan and Rod just struggling right now. It's very, very weird. Where Laviolette, who I was, I couldn't have been more lukewarm on. Like I've fallen deeply in love with the man. Over well, whom among us would have been warm on John Tortorella? Were any of them? Like, oh, well, hoops, we were. Hoops the, like, <laughs> well, I, no, we we love John Tortorella, the man. I would, I would, I thought the Flyers were going to be a joke this year because Tortorella is not a guy to lead a young roster. No, but that like I think this is that rare situation where like grindy coach mentality works when you have a complement of young players like they respond well to that and eventually it won't work anymore like you know i have michelle tarian right like he was you know uh mr quotable in the media and like cutting people up and like you know running a tough ship but eventually that's they just check out of that when they they mature so i think it works great for now i wonder at the life cycle of that and the shelf life of that is but uh yeah that's another one is uh i mean they they should put an absolute beating on the penguins and back-to-backs uh, home and home uh, a little bit earlier, a couple weeks ago. And uh, I think that kind of like tuned everybody in Pittsburgh into how, you know, sneaky good that team actually turned out to be. Jesse, final question on my side. And I don't think I've ever really asked you this because it happened last year, but uh, I, we talk about what ifs a lot. Uh, Greg hates them. Um, but I, I end up having a lot of what if conversations. The, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the two teams that Vincent Trocek was down to was the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers. Is that ever a topic in Pittsburgh media? Yeah, a lot. Um, because that that Trocheck scenario that you just treat that you just sort of like brought out there would have been at the expense of Evgeny Malkin. So like the situation was the you know the Penguins. It didn't seem like Ron Hextall either wanted to or was going to sign Evgeny Malkin. That went on like all summer. Um, like you know there was this intervention from Sidney Crosby and like they they eventually give him this contract. But I think the plan was to go with Trocheck as two C. And if that, you know, if Malkin had been gone and he didn't come back, that's who they would have replaced him with. And most of the time it comes up, and this isn't a disrespect to Vince Trocheck, who I think is very good, but I think most people are happy of getting Malkin stayed. <laughs> you know? No, I, you I, should be. Yeah, like, this isn't get, crazy. I'm not, this is me yeah. not saying that. I, I didn't know if there was a way it was possible to have both. That's more of my no, question. No, I don't think that was ever in the cards. Um, and, and the fact that he's from here, right? Like, Vince Trocheck's like from Pennsylvania and like, you know, is from the area. Like, that I think endeared a lot of people to it as well. But, um, there are a lot of people like Mark Madden, who I know, you know, a lot of people are, are crazy about like, you know, I, a good friend of mine, like he, he loves Vince Trocheck and still would, would rather have him than Evgeny Malkin, which is, I think is crazy. And I tell him that all the time, but like, there are still people who bring that topic up, like that, what if topic of like, well, how, like, let's check in with Vince Trocheck and see what he would have looked like as the two C, you know? So it's either, you know, it's either used as an ax to grind or, um, you know, as a way to boast up of Evgeny Malkin, but yeah, it still comes up a lot. I mean, if listen, it would have he would look great if you also somehow had Artemi Panarin. Uh, let me put it that way. Yeah, yeah, that helps. <laughs> that helps, right? Though I, the way he's play again, I we, Ryan and I talked about him earlier. The way he's played this year, even independent of Panarin, is he's playing like a man that has been freed from shackles. And I wonder what possibly what could, could have freed what are, him from those shackles. Yeah, it's a big. We'll never know. Huh. We'll never know. It just lost to the the sands of time, Jesse. The mysteries yeah. of life. Yeah. Uh, 
Jesse, I can't thank you so much for uh, can't thank you enough rather uh, for can't thank you, <laughs> you so can't much. Thank you so much, me. Jesse. You were terrible. I Jesse, can't do you it were anymore. Terrible at this thing, man. Um, thank <laughs> well, you so think, much for coming on and spending and the time with us. Thanks for letting me give you guys a last minute rain check last time too. The old old uh, two and a half year old went down with the old double. Oh ear man, infection. it's okay. It's, it's, so, it's totally uh, fine. We appreciate you yeah. doing this and. Honestly, I, I'm so baffled by the Penguins right now, and I do believe they'll go on like a, I don't know, win 10 out of 12 streak at some point just because I'm so jaded from them over the years. But it does seem like this might actually be the one. Yeah, and you know, my advice to people has been all year long, like no matter what you think about Pittsburgh, um, settle in one time if you can watch them play and just enjoy Sidney Crosby, right? Like that to me has been the best part of the season. It's one of the only good parts is this these vintage performances i i said it to like we're getting to the point now guys like and i know this is blasphemy and people don't like hearing this but we got to have the conversation like you know sid and mario are always been two different players and there's no comparing them in any real sense but i think you can compare how they aged and i think you know when mario came back he was about the age sid is now right uh post-retirement um and i you know you know health issues and all that aside Crosby's ability to get better is what's really mind blowing to me. You know, that, that shouldn't happen. That's like, that's a physical and time-based impossibility for most people. Um, and to watch him at the level he's been at this season, it's just become, it's become more cerebral. Right. And I think that's where like Lemieux used that at his age, you know, at that late thirties age too, he was just smarter than everybody else. But Crosby has done that on, on another level to me. And it's just watching him toy with people change up his speeds grow this like fourth eye like you know it's like it's just been astonishing so i mean you know if nothing else you can enjoy them lose but i you know i think grab a cup of coffee and sit down and watch Sidney crosby i don't know how much longer this is going to last but it's as good now as it's ever been i mean you're, you're sitting with a veteran right now man it's different i just need to warn you jesse you sound this isn't going to be a good thing for you you sound a lot like a certain age of greg kaplan who would be like listen i know the mets suck but at least enjoy Jacob Degrom. I'm yeah. just telling you that's that's where you are mentally right now. That's, that's it. I am that, there. Yeah. That's it's not a great place to be. Yeah, yeah. You joined me this year, uh, Greg, in the doldrums of baseball fandom. Though you found out what it was like to be a Pirates fan. Yeah, for, except for, for the a fact, summer. Except except my owner did buy top prospects when things weren't going great. Yeah, that's a, buying is a concept that's utterly foreign to my baseball experience. But uh, hey, I know you, I'm, you, I, got, I got a lot of top prospects, though. You just you just signed Martin Perez. You're doing great, bud. Yeah, we're killing it out here. I don't rich get richer. I could do 20 minutes on how pathetic some baseball franchises are, and they're the most pathetic owners in sports. So I'm really sorry about that with the Pittsburgh yeah, Pirates. They deserve better, especially because the Steelers and I know the Steelers aren't so good right now, but the legacy they've created in the Penguins to do what the Pirates have done to that city for x amount of years is disgusting everybody named mike is on the hot seat guys it's a bad <laughs> time to be named mike in pittsburgh uh jesse thank you so much again we'll talk to you soon thanks guys and we're back dude it's always good to hear from jesse he's so smart he makes us sound like such shit <laughs> i i jesse and shana are s-tier guests for us because they can they can trade blows with us in terms of if we're trying to just joke around be our douchebag selves they'll go right there with us but then also they're just the smartest people we've ever interacted and i don't know why they give us the time of day the way he's talking about hockey he's like you know the pinching and all i'm like dude what do you like we we hit a guy (laughs) (laughs) what do you want me to do here this is crazy Uh. 
Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm. He's like, yeah, the way the way this team moves on the power play is grunt. And I'm like, I bet Adam Fox lot. He make lot money. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I do. He real good. Um, okay, we're, if you want to <laughs> leave a five star question to the show, you can join our Patreon. Go to the Discord. There's a five star question channel. We read them on the show every single week. Uh, we're gonna try and read a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them, uh, and then we'll go from there. So uh, this, I guess, December 11th what was the last time we recorded this. Uh. We re- yeah, it was, that, 11th would have been seven days ago. Sure. Um, I guess, all right, let's go from here. This is from Lindholm Locomotive. Pulse check on Kreider Mika Wheeler line. It's kind of actually been pretty good this week. And what's a reasonable timeline before? Oh, this is, this is the last question we answered last week. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Next question. I will, no, but I will say this. Um, Wheeler is starting to look like the player that we wanted him to be in in terms of just general we're not asking for him to be the star that he used to be. We're not asking for him to be the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. We, I simply just want him to be active in the offensive zone and not a liability defensively. And I think for the past two weeks, he's not be- like he scored two goals against the Maple Leafs. He's looked better. And uh, this is shout out to McBearcat, our guy Matt Jackson, who continues to trumpet a pretty popular graph at this point that says for throughout the entirety of his career. Blake Wheeler stinks in October. It just truly stinks. But by December, January, February, he starts to become a better player. He's just a slow cooker. And I think we're finally reaching a point in the season with him where, you know, gas is starting to roll a little bit. He's viable. It's from Tay White, and I'm sure you've seen this as well. What on earth is a Jimmy-O? And are you tired? Are you you tired of the Rangers? Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you tired of the Rangers? No, I, I don't know. I, I thought she was asking if I'm the Rangers Twitter admin, and I was like, that's not true because I have dyslexia. Are you tired of the Rangers Twitter admin? No, I'm not tired of them, but I don't know. They keep calling Jimmy VC Jimmy O, and I don't really understand this at all. This is It has to be an inside joke that we're not privy to, but the thing Lucky about inside jokes is uh, if you're going to use it, you got to explain it. You got to say why. It's I don't really get it. This is from Brett Lee. Considering Trocek has apparently become a fantastic face-off taker and is generally regarded well defensively around the league, should we start the Trocek for Selkie narrative? I don't think so. Don't no. Think good enough. Yeah, I, this isn't a knock on Trocek. He's been phenomenal. We obviously sing his praises on this year's podcast just about every week. Um, I don't, I don't con- while he's playing, I don't consider him a Selkie candidate, though – He's phenomenal. I'm not asking for him to be any different. Yeah, this is like, that's inflating the value of Homer style on our side. He's been extremely good. He's just not Selkie caliber. It's from Liv Lavi DeLoca. On that same train of thought, is Trocek actually our 1C this year? I can't believe it's Liv Lavi DeLoca, like the song. Liv Lavi DeLoca. Oh, wow. Ricky Martin, Liv and Lavi DeLoca. Holy shit. Yeah, that's pretty good. The way you said it's like live la vie de loca, as if he's the outfielder the Rays just traded for. <laughs> now batting, live la vie de loca. Live la I, vie I de missed loca. the question because I was too busy worrying Trocek, about how Is Trocek actually her what Z this year? I mean, if you look at the minutes, he's playing more minutes than Savannah, Jed. Because think about it. Because uh, they're double shifting Panera and they're like, get out there. Well, I, it's, it's so much that it, it's. One, uh, Mika, like Trocek, sees a lot of time on the special teams. Obviously, any second Mika's out there on the power play, Trocek's going to be there on the power play. But it's no secret that the Rangers' best line this year has been Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere. So LaViolette has been giving them longer and more assignments as 
games go along, especially if the game itself is close. So listen, this is great. This isn't even a problem to have. This is just wonderful. If you're telling me I can save some miles on Mika Zibanejad while he's trying to play himself into shape, and I can finally have a coach that simply understands uh, my player X is playing better than player Y, so maybe X should get more time than Y, even if X isn't a star and Y is considered to be one. Yeah, well, we talked about this forever. It's It, it was lines one through four. The time was based on your number of line. That mm-hmm. was it. Um, this is from Adam Furlong. It pretty much says the Penguins might, uh, Sean McAdoo said the Penguins might fire Mike Sullivan, but we <clears> talked about that a lot. So let's not do that. This is from D. Orion H. With the news the Capitals might be leaving the D.C. metro area for Northern Virginia, should they change their name to the Rebels? I mean, so here's the thing. Uh, I think think it sucks for D.C. that they're leaving. I'll put it that way. Yes. True. Also, it's not exactly like D.C. is not in Maryland or Virginia. So this is kind of a... I know they're not moving that far away from DC. This is like the Braves moving to the suburbs. Um, to which I always have to say, fuck the Braves. Fuck them. But Very yeah, rightfully it, so. It's, it stinks for DC. It just, listen, but at the same time, Ryan, you got to be happy that we're getting Saudi money out of DC. That's wonderful. That's, when you put it that way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is nice. <laughs> at least I can have outside influence. Great. Um, Anyways, from Jets Rangers 1, could Cooley be a guy to move to the right wing down the road? Maybe even shot a uh, shot at right wing 1. So, this is a chronic problem with not just Ranger fans, fans of every team of every sport. You see a young player doing well in a certain role, and your natural instinct is to then give that young player a bigger role and more responsibility without for a second taking the step back and telling yourself, you know what's nice? The fact that this player is doing well in this role, and maybe I should just let him cook in this role for a while longer before even thinking about giving him a bigger role. This this isn't just hockey. We do this all the time in baseball. If a rookie is hitting sixth in the order and starts to trend upwards, every fan base is immediately like, should he be hitting third? Uh, I Will Cooley is working in the role the Rangers are asking him to play. I don't think we should be going out there changing what expectations and roles we're asking Will Cooley to play. Because quite frankly, there are plenty of nights where I don't think Will Cooley is that involved in the game itself at all. And you know what, Ryan? That's fine because he's a child playing in the NHL. And if he can have nights where he's kind of blending in and not standing out and still be productive when the Rangers need him to be, it sounds like a wonderful thing. It's so, a really, really good problem to have. Yeah. Do I do I think one day in five years he could potentially be a, a guy that has more of a role and more of a standing on this team? Maybe. But I wouldn't even dream of doing it this year. I'd much rather keep trying with Wheeler, and I'd frankly keep trying with Brodzinski too. And I think, I think Kako is going to be back in the next like month and a half, and he'll get that shot again. As he should. 
As you should. This is from Woody Sweats. I admittedly don't have a strong sense of what NYR fans are talking about, but I've heard nobody mention that Knobloch is absolutely killing it after taking over Edmonton. Why? I can tell you why. It's Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid <laughs> is healthy. Uh, that tends to be a boon for any team that employs Connor McDavid. It's like you can name LeBron's coaches over the years, but did you really think they're good coaches? Now, some of them <laughs> went on to be good coaches other places, but some of them well, didn't. Sp- Sp- you know Spolstra's the longest tenured uh, non-Popovich coach in the NBA. Well, Spolstra's a great coach. He was a yeah. great coach before LeBron. Remember when we were having conversations about whether Spolstra was just a mouthpiece for Pat Riley, though? Yeah, that's that was a mistake. That was wonderful. I do wonder. I I I don't know if Jay Woodcroft is a good or bad coach. I just know it ended in a way it shouldn't have ended in Edmonton. I was shocked to hear Jesse say, "Should we hire Jay Woodcroft instead of Mike Sullivan?" I was like, "Yeah, go ahead and do that. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead, buddy. Breach." Uh, this is from Ryan, and it says he says his last name is Scafuri. There we go. I'm sure he's found a way to still mess it he up. He even gave me the pronunciation. Maybe better served up for an OT, up to you guys. When you're watching a game, is there a certain thing or things that really got under your skin as a viewer? Something you can't look past or always annoys you? Mine has always been that the linesman not dropping the puck on draws and kicking guys out. I feel like it's been especially bad this year. Uh, he's right, though, about the lineman part. I feel like guys are getting thrown out of the circle, Rangers and otherwise, at a higher frequency than they ever have before. I feel like I'm noticing officials too much now, and this isn't just a hockey thing. No, this it's is all also, sports. It's all sports. I heard an interesting theory. I want to bounce this off you. Um, as you know, I'm a big fan of the Press Box Pod. And I think it was them that brought up that Having the officials in the booth talk about what the mindset is with the official in terms of was it a good call, was it a bad call, what what, what they would have done in that situation, so on and so forth. Do you think that's forcing us to pay more attention to officials in the first place? Because I don't, I don't think necessarily that umpires, referees, officials are prohibitively worse today than they have been in the past. I just think we're noticing them more. And I don't know why that is. I actually think they're worse. And You think and- they're worse? Because I, I see strike zones from like uh, the most famous one is Levon Hernandez struck out like 17 guys in a game once. And I think Eric Gregg was the home plate umpire and he was calling things seven feet outside. And they're, outside of Angel Hernandez, there aren't umpires that bad anymore. Fine. I just think there's more. It may, maybe you're right because we're more aware of it, like the, the trending, the Twitter, whatever. But there are a lot of games where I'm watching and it becomes a ref show. Like most Ranger games this year have become a ref show. And I just don't remember it being like that. And it, it's, it's not only just the NHL. It's also when I watch European football. It's also when I, when I randomly turn on the NFL. Everything has this what did the refs do narrative around it? Not, not these two teams beat the hell out of each other and it was awesome. It's never that. There's very few times where the, the top story of the week is, that was an awesome game, wasn't it? It's always, fuck these refs. It's tough. I, I wish I knew what the actual diagnosis was, and we can just say it once and for all here on the podcast, but I, honest to God, have no fucking idea what the reason is for it to be this. Again, it's not that it's bad. It's that it's noticeable, and that's the thing that, just, I I can't stand it. And this isn't, listen, Canarius Tony was seven feet off sides at this point. I'm, I'm willing to believe any measurement you have. 
I have no idea how that human being actually lined up, looked at the ball and thought, this looks right. But it's the little things where every time I see something, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on with these refs? Like there was a, there was a really weak pass interference call in one of the one o'clock games yesterday that swung the game in the direction of one team. And I'm just like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. I, I just, I don't know how we fix any of this. I don't either. Uh, I'm going to apologize to Zangarang and say we're going to answer his question on the Christmas episodes because it's going to be just us. So we're going to have plenty <laughs> more time to talk about it. Uh, this is from Tag to Seamus. With all the calls going against the Bruins and the super annoying overtime strategy in a, in a loss at home, how furious would you have been if it had been the other way around? And how delicious are the Boston tears? Extremely? But I also think like there was, there was a shocking amount of respect between the two teams. They hated Ryan Lindgren, but the teams, they knew each other. They were like... They knew each other very well, and they respected their ability, which is something that's nice, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If, if the Rangers – it's not like the Bruins had some tough calls go against them. Um, Like Pasternak, that was a deserved he, he murdered game misconduct. Yeah. It was deserved. The I I would hope that if a Ranger laid that hit, on anybody, whether it's Trent Friedrich or um, Portois or whatever, I hope we as a fan base would be like, oh, nope, that that is a game misconduct. I get it. Uh, at the same time, Ryan, you were one of them. That was I really thought it was a fine – I thought it was a bad review, flat out, on the um, goalie interference. I, I thought it was a bad review. I didn't think it was interference at all. But I'm at least willing to chalk that one up as nobody really knows what interference is. It's a 50-50 call. Why not challenge it? Fine. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of fans complaining that how is that not clear interference? And I don't know. It, here's the thing about fans. You've watched they hockey before, right? <laughs> well, but here's the, th- here's the thing about hockey fans. They don't like to lose. So I, I'm sure we wouldn't have acted great if the Rangers ended up losing that game. Uh, probably not. I think I, I, was, I was kind of at a point where it was like just one of those games. It's totally fine. I thought they I played I really even, well. I, I think I tweeted out. Eh, it's just one of those days. I missed that one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, this is from Cole. Uh, you were challenged to an Italian cook-off against Trocha, Trochek's Nana. Nona, I'm so sorry. Despite knowing you will lose, what Italian dish are you making to come in a strong second? Spaghetti and pasta. How, how, what spaghetti else you, is pasta, you moron. Fuck, what are, what are you doing? Spaghetti and sauce. I'm, I am fucked up today, spaghetti, man. spaghetti and spaghetti. That's what I'm cooking. I'm putting raviolis on spaghetti. No sauce. Hi, hi I'm Tommy DeVito. You're watching the Disney Channel. Uh, I My dad makes a mean meatball, which I have the recipe to, and I've made it once during deep pandemic times, and it didn't come out as toxic. So I I would go with meatballs. Uh, my legitimate answer is eggplant parm. I would do a decent oh, you're, eggplant. You're not parm. doing spaghetti on spaghetti. No, no spaghetti. On you're, not, you're not doing. You're not doing M M&M? and M. No. <laughs> I'm so, oh god, I'm so tired. All right, this is from Alley Rangers. I feel like the trust Laviolette showed in Igor by having him start against Boston instead of Quick was a critical confidence boost for Igor. Do you think an Igor revenge win against the Leafs in Toronto Tuesday would put enough, or rather, would be enough to put the nail? The final nail in his coffin of self-doubt. I I want him to play against the Maple Leafs, but that's mostly because I want him to play because he's Igor Shosturkin. Yep. Um, I don't know. Like, it, 
Are we back to square one if the Leafs continue to score at a preposterous rate and Igor Shacharkin just happened to be the goalie in net as this happened? I don't think so. Uh, do I think he absolutely positively needs to be in the net in order to help his confidence? I also don't necessarily believe that. Um, I just think Igor, listen, jo- this Jonathan Quick stuff is bananas. He's 9 0 1. Undefeated. <laughs> At the same time, the guy who best puts the Rangers in position to win on a nightly basis going into the game when all else is equal is Igor Shesterkin. So I just want him to play. Final two questions from Matty Jack. Is Johnny Brzezinski here for good? New York Rangers would have to send him down before the Bruins game under the emergency call-up policy. Do you interpret him staying as NYR thinking he is expendable or is that he is more valuable than Wheeler Pitlick? Well, I think it was Edstrom that was the emergency call-up guy, not Brzezinski. I think Brzezinski is here no matter what because it's L- the LTIR stuff makes my head fucking explode at a certain point. I, I think they legitimately think he's good enough to be on this team. Yeah, I don't, but I also, yes, I also think they don't have a better option currently. I also what, think they believe they can waive him and no one will claim him. Which they've done a couple times before. Yep. Yeah, I think that's, uh, this is one of those kind of special handshake deals too. Like older AHL player you just want in your situation, no one's going to claim him. Like, oh, that's a Ranger guy. Let's not touch him. The it's only scenario up. in which he gets claimed is if he goes on a heater and scores a ton of points, which... You know, he hasn't done yet. Then they're not going to cut him. And if he's doing that, exactly that. He's not going anywhere if he's all of a sudden scoring a ton of points. Last question from Phil S. I think the preseason total for Ranger rookies to make their NHL debut this season was set at 2.5 on a pod that both Ryan and Greg said the under, if I remember correctly. With Edstrom making his debut, do you still think it will be under? Well, Edstrom is one. Uh, Cooley, technically a rookie, but he's debuted before. Yep. So Othman, we're, I'm pretty sure, is going to get a look at some point this season. I am also uh, very sure that Othman will get a game or two. So then the question becomes, I don't see Berard coming up, frankly, under any circumstance. Um, Connor Mackey has consistently been the first defenseman recalled every time, and it would take two defenseman injuries to get even Mackey in the lineup because Jones has so thoroughly been the guy that they want to put in on a nightly basis if someone needs a break. I still think the odds of two more Rangers, because it would have to be the only options that could be Robertson, but again, two defensive injuries. Jones is getting it first. Uh, We think Othman is getting up. We don't think Berard's coming up. doesn't seem like uh, Trevino is within the realm of possibility. Not I like him. You like him, but they keep calling up a bunch of other guys before him. It's more possible now because I would have never expected Edstrom to get into the lineup, but I still think it's under. I Something bad has to happen for Rempe or Trevino or Robertson or Berard to get a call up and get a look in because now that, especially since Edrum, Edstrom scored, I promise you he's going to continue to be the first guy up. And they've already called Riley Nash up once. He'll be the first guy up after that. So you're talking three forward injuries and two defensive injuries down the road. That's a lot of injuries, Ryan. Shit's gone bad if that happens. That's a lot. All right, that's been five star questions. We'll be back later this week. Uh, thanks for listening. They've suggested for coming on. We'll be back later this week with BSB OT, probably Wednesday or Thursday. Stay tuned for that. And then obviously a uh, Leafs game on Tuesday night. Big game against the Oilers on Friday and another fun time for the New York Rangers this week. 
You follow me on Twitter at O-Rime. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, yo, it's the end of the show. First new show in my new digs. Uh, I'm recording in an empty room <laughs> with a pretty much a beer pong table. Um, so that's pretty much it. Pretty cool. Nice to, nice to do this. Moving as hell. We'll get to that in a minute. But before that, I want to thank all the NHL Insider Club members. I'm also recording from a laptop with one screen, so it's going to be way harder to do this than it usually is. But uh, without further ado, Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartulo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Honor, Anthony Gray, Anthony Monturo, Anthony Tanagretta, Ari Zanger, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Allison, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Do- Doherty, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy, Cassidy Rollman, Cizé, that's not how you say that. Chris Finelli, Chris Howru, CJ Selwyn, Pakari for Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dezen, David Narrative, David Siegel, DJ Banana Jazz. Just so fun to say. D- Dylan Birch Schneider. Brett Schneider. I don't know why I called you Bert. Dude, that's the dyslexia right there. That's what I actually have. You see how I switched the E and the R? That's why I can't read everybody. Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Greg, 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 Greg. Oh, Jesus. I'm keeping this in. Gretzky McFly. Harrison Hasco, Hello Vanilla, Hip Hip 89, Jack Bagley, Jack Grogan, Jack Helium. Is that how you say that? Jake Keith, James Masker. Next page. Jerry Marquez, Jason Stumer, Judge Sinsabraski, Jamie Mack, John Hardesty, Johnny Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan Josh, Keshtabam, Josh White, Christopher Florida, Cried or Die, Lee Plummer, Leshik, Gronowski, Leo Giordano, Matthew Google, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cack, Michael Koenig, Mike, Mike Buckla, another, just one gamer. Mike, Mike, Mike Mancuzu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, pa- Palms for Prez, Nicholas DiDicola, Other Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodarev, not how you say his last name, Phoenix Ignition, PJ Sisbaro, Randy Tesser, Ryan Watch Miracle, okay, fine, Swigart, the Drop PK, Tommy Seclair, Tommy Jadeshi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Tori from Manhattan, Vinny Bracco, Will Spector, and Winston the Golden Retriever. Uh, moving is bullshit. There's no other way to put it. It's bullshit. Like, yeah, it's cool. I got a house. Yeah, I'm bragging. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, I worked really hard for this. Yeah, I talked to a mic and it helped me put on a down payment. Sweet. But actually moving all your stuff is terrible. And uh, while I'm very excited to do all this, the, everything that they've said about homeownership is true. Like you get into the house, you're like, okay, how bad could it be? You mess up like six things immediately. Let me like, and then you start checking off the list. You're like, I have 120 items of things we need to fix or improve. Is this good? Like when you're renting, you don't give a shit. It is not yours. Like I take good care of my apartment. I had a great time. I honestly love it dearly. I wish I could have bought it myself, but it's not mine. It's my apartment. Then I move on, do all the adult things. Dude, the house sucks. It's I mean, like, I love it here, but there's so much to do. I didn't know there was, there's different sizes of electrical outlets and light switch panels. I went to Lowe's. We're standing in the Lowe's light switch section. It was like, do you want regular, premium, skinny, plus size? Like, what What, what do you, I don't, what, it's light switches. I thought there's only one size for light switch. I don't understand. Anywho, uh, that, I guess, did I just become Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm so tired. I've just been moving for like four days. It sucks. All right, uh, the Rangers are very good. I had a great time with them. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the support, as always. And we will be back, OT, hopefully after a nice win versus the Toronto Maple Leafs later this week. See you guys then. Love you guys. Bye.